from Word today. Get out your Bibles, your Bible apps. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. I've been teaching this summer, and I'm going to get back to it right now, called The Path to Promotion. And if you want to go higher, this is how you do it. We have the, the biblical recipe, if you will, the, the direction on how to be promoted, how to go higher in God and in life. First uh, Peter chapter 5, let's read our text once again, beginning in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Anybody get dressed here today accidentally? Like you woke up and boop, step, stepped out of bed, your, your church clothes were on. You were ready to go. No, you had to intentionally go to your dresser or your closet and say, I'm going to wear this, I'm going to wear this, I'm going to wear this. You had to put that on. Uh, humility works that way as, as well. All right. What do we have to do? We have to put it on. We have to clothe ourselves with humility. If someone says, well, I'm just naturally humble. No, you're not. <laughs> it might be your personality to be you know, quiet or, or introverted. That's not the same as humility, though. How you know you can be an introverted, proud person? You really can. Proud is not always synonymous with loud, with, with someone who's boisterous. Sometimes that is, that, that is the case, but uh, we have to clothe ourselves with this. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And to reiterate what I've said before, you can see the will of God is exaltation for us. He's not trying to keep us down, trying to, uh, to hold us in a lowly place. He's wanting to promote, to exalt, to elevate our lives, give us, make, it, you know, make it better than before. But he needs our cooperation because he's not going to promote the proud. He's just not. So if we have pride working in our lives, whether we see it or don't do it, we're hindering God's uh, activity of promotion in our lives. So it would do us well, it's in our best interest to see what's ugly. <laughs> and we like to look at ugly things. <laughs> I mean, he'd hate it when someone posts a picture of an injury or a surgery or something. Ugh. It's like, don't show me a picture of that. <laughs> Ew, I don't want to see that. Some of you medical types like it, but I don't. <laughs> what about if there's pride in me? I really don't like to see it. I don't like to go, ah, oh, I did that, I said that, oh, that's so ugly. But if I do, I can, do, I can make an adjustment, right? Everybody with me today? Okay. Uh, he wants to exalt us. So I, I'm gonna ask you, those of you who've been a part of us all summer, mo that's most of you, I imagine. Uh, have you dealt with your pride yet? I mean, have you made any adjustments? Have you caught yourself? Have you recognized any activity within yourself. If not, come on, giddy up. Because you say, well, I've looked and it's just not there. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I've been walking with the Lord for a while and I can see myself go, ah, I need to clean that up and humble myself in that area. It's a part of the flesh. Unless we keep our thumb constantly on it, that ugly arrogance pops its ugly head up. And, uh, and we've got to recognize it and, and deal with it directly. Our goal is to live a life where he gets the glory. He is honored by what we do, by the success in our life, by the things we succeed at. People see us and, they get, and their attention is drawn to him. 
We want him to be glorified above all else. We don't speak and do things in order to draw praise to ourselves. You remember Jesus said that he who speaks of himself seeks his own glory. And so uh, our goal then is to say what he says. Well, what do you think about this? Doesn't matter. What does the word say? My opinion is not that important. But what God says, that's important. And that's what we emphasize. That's our default. What does the Lord say? What does the word say? Amen. If someone said, well, I don't really know what, what God says about certain things in my life. We've all been there and and are there at times. That's why we continue to study the same book. You notice we haven't moved on. We're not looking for volume two. We're not looking for another testament. (laughs) We're not looking for, I mean, literally, this keeps us occupied. The word of the Lord doesn't change. There's no amendments to it. Keep your nose in the book and you'll find dealing with life, you'll run into Oh, here's what God says about this. This is the truth in this situation. And then you can submit to it. Amen. If you wonder today, you say, Pastor, do you have any original material today? I don't. (laughs) If it's original with me, it's really not that impressive. I I plagiarize Jesus constantly. (laughs) And give him the credit. But you know what I mean? Uh, We're looking for what does the Lord say? And if he doesn't have anything to say about it, then I don't have much to say about it. But we seek to, to speak not of ourselves, but of him. Let the, let, the, let the word of the Lord come out in our midst. Amen? And so the submitted life then constantly defaults to the word of God. As opposed to the self-life, it constantly defaults to what I think, what I feel, what I assume. It, it uses the language a lot. Well, I just feel like, what do you think? Well, I just feel like, well, stop, stop with the feelings. That's an earthly life. That's a fleshly life. That's where you are the origin of your thoughts, and, and it's all about your opinion. We want to set, set that back, submit that, and say, well, this is what's true. This is what the Lord said. This is what Paul said in this book. This is what James wrote. This is what Jesus himself said, and that takes preeminence. Amen? Okay, now go to another place, if you would, uh, today. Uh, 2 Kings, way left turn. 2 Kings chapter 5. Again, if you're new with us, you say, I don't have a Bible or know what a king is. Well, you know what a king is, but the book, there's books called Kings. And take your time, and if you have a phone, you can find all these things. And uh, there's a reason why I don't put it all up on the screen, and that's so you can... Use a little effort. Be a little bit invested in what we're doing here. Take you some energy. God will speak to you, I tell you. He'll change your life. But uh, we have to try. (laughs) Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. Notice with me, well, let me just give you a a little precursor to this. Uh, We're going to read about a guy named Naaman. He's the commander of the Syrian army. All right, so you got the king of Syria, Naaman's a big shot. He's successful, he's uh, uh, well-known, he's accomplished, and he's got leprosy, okay? I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much success you have. If you have a physical body that is attacked by a disease that the current medical 
uh, knowledge is unable to solve, you're in trouble, right? And matter again, no matter how much success you have or how well known you are, you're out of here. Your body is going to give in. He's in trouble despite all of his success. He's a big shot. He's a big wig. But he's also got leprosy. And so what happened is through one of their raids and so forth, they ended up having this Jewish girl uh, that was taken captive. And she is serving in Naaman's house. And she tells Naaman's wife about a prophet in Israel. He said if he would find this prophet, he could be healed. He would be healed of this leprosy. So Naaman hears this and uh, apparently had more faith than some people today. You know, they get a condition, and they say, well, I gave me three years to live, so I'm just preparing to go. Ah, come on, let's believe God. Stop giving in. Anyway, she, uh, so he says, okay, I'm going to do this. So he writes a letter to the king of Israel and says, I'm coming there, sends a bunch of clothes and a bunch of money, and says, I'm coming there so you can heal me of leprosy. And the king freaks out over that, thinking he's, start, he's trying to pick a fight with me. Who am I? I can't do this. And uh, he doesn't think, which is totally crazy, he doesn't think, cool, I'm going to go call the prophet because we have a God in Israel who is mighty to save. And he's the healer. He doesn't even do that. He just freaks out, tears his clothes. And how many know if, if we re- react that way, it might reveal the same lack of faith in our own lives. Get a bad report, something negative happens, we freak out and tear our clothes or whatever we do. And like, ah, stop it. If you're a believer... You're not without help. You've got a God who sits on the throne who loves you. You've got a Savior who already paid the price for your redemption, took stripes on his back for your healing. Do not despair a negative report or an evil, uh, an evil diagnosis. Say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust him, and he's going to come through for me. Amen. Anyway, verse, verse 8 of 2 Kings 5 Read, so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So this is the anointed man of God. He does have some faith. And uh, goes on to say, verse 9, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. I want you to notice how this is playing out here. First of all, you got Naaman, who again is kind of a big wig. He comes with his entourage there and he shows up at the door of Elisha. And what what, what, what does the preacher do? Sends a messenger to him. Doesn't go personally. He's in the recliner in the next room. Says, I could get up and go talk to him, but I don't really want to. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't know what he was saying. But he sends a messenger out to talk to Naaman and doesn't even address him personally. Now, how many know if you're kind of, you know, Naaman-ish and you've got some status and you're a high-ranking authority, a high-ranking official in, a, in an important country, uh, you might think that you would draw the respect of normal people, even preachers, and they would come and address you personally. I mean, that might be the expectation. I think that was Naaman's expectation. Uh, I, I don't know if um, Elisha didn't 
you know, greet him personally because of some other reason or if maybe he was just exposing the condition of his heart. But I know that sometimes happens. People find themselves getting, are, they're quick to be annoyed and upset. Their expectations aren't met. And it shows what's really inside of them. Okay. But th- this is interesting to me to think about successful people on earth versus successful or important or high-ranking, if you will, people in heaven. I mean, who's popular in heaven? I mean, if heaven looks down to see, I mean, when I say heaven, the people, and if they're uh, scanning the earth to see what's going on, are they seeing what's up with the Kardashians? <laughs> are they <laughs> checking out their, new, the late, their latest show or the news of this and that? Or are they seeing people do the will of God? If someone's famous, if someone's a great athlete or politician or movie star, is that who has their attention? Or, or is it those who, are, those who have faith? See, I think sometimes we get it twisted even in our own minds where we elevate because we're, you know, all of us to some degree can be enamored by celebrity and that kind of stuff. And we, we sometimes put too much importance on things that are not as important with God. You know, uh, you might recall uh, reading about Jesus one day. He's ministering in a place and, and uh, lots of people around and they came to him and said, Jesus, uh, you're your mom, your brothers and sisters are outside and they want to see you. And uh, he didn't jump up and say, oh, yeah, they're family. Let me, let me run out there and talk to them. Instead, he said, who are my mother? Who's my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? He said, it's those who do the will of my father. Those who do the will of God, that's family to me. Now, Jesus was not dismissing or disrespecting Mary or the natural brothers, but he was setting the tone for us to view a spiritual family as more important even than a natural family. Sometimes we get this wrong today. We get help from the fake news and those in, in, in media. We get help from all these people who are constantly trying to divide, okay? And people talk about, uh, they use the language of, uh, these are my people, well, what do you mean by that, my people? You're talking about, what, those from the same part of the world as you? Talking about those who look like you, my people? I'll tell you, who, 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 who are my people? Those who do the will of God. It's the family of God. Those who've been born again by the blood of Jesus, those are my people. Who are your people? My people are God's people. And none of this other stuff should divide us in any way. And we're living in a time, I think it's at a high, it's at a max. They're trying to, they're pushing, trying hard to get people to see themselves in different groups and camps and cause division. Don't yield to it. Use the off switch. (laughs) Change the internet page. Go to (laughs) lcboise.com. We've got to have the Lord's perspective or we'll walk up to someone's, you know, we're thinking, I deserve this treatment, and, I de-, and we've got it all wrong. And the, the, the man of God, led by the Spirit of God, sends someone else to deal with us like we're really not as important as we think we are. Amen. We can all fall for this. I know several years ago, I'm not, I'm not big into 
personally, I believe in them, but don't have a lot of dreams and so forth as far as God giving me dreams. Uh, but I, and I don't even know that this one was God. <laughs> but uh, several years ago, I had a dream, and I was in a room, which in the dream, I believed it was in heaven. But there was a young girl in the room, and the only thing I remember her saying to me was, you're not as important as you think you are. And it didn't come across like condemning, like you're, you're worthless or anything like that. But I just, I just, I've always remembered it. I thought, maybe I'm thinking too much is riding on me when it's not. Anyway, we want the Lord's perspective. And, and Jesus elevated, again, those who do the will of God above just even, even natural blood connections. And so let's have his perspective of family. Verse 11 But Naaman became, what's that word? Furious and went went away and said, indeed, I said to myself. Now, have you ever done that, by the way? Said something to yourself? And what you said to yourself was, I'm going to do this and then they're going to do this. And you set an expectation for how others are going to treat you, how they ought to treat you, what they're supposed to do to you, based on your opinion of yourself and how this is going to play out, or how it ought to play out. So Naaman didn't like the message, he didn't like that it came through a messenger, and he was ticked off. And so immediately he responds and said, "Uh, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand And call on the name of the Lord his God. So he played this all out in his mind. And he's going to wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. So his whole trip over there, he he worked this out. I'm going to his house. He's going to stand. The prophet, not his messenger. The prophet's going to stand. Call on the name. Wave his hand. And leprosy's gone. I'm back in my chariot. I'm back home doing business. It's going to be a good day today. And he gets there, and it happens in a totally different way than he was expecting. And he's ticked off about it, too. Don't you know who I am? Don't you, you just treat me like this? And you give me this command to go dip in, a, in the Jordan River? He's not happy. And uh, have you ever noticed that anger is a manifestation of pride? Let I me mean, know this is a good check for ourselves. If you ever find yourself angry, and we all do at times, right? If you ever find yourself angry... Take a step back and say, what's the motive of this? Why do I feel this way? Do I feel someone's not treating me like I think I ought to be treated? How dare they talk to me like that? How dare they? Don't they know who I am? The Almighty One. (laughs) But pride, when it's not treated as expected, gets ticked off. Everybody with me today? Watch out for anger. Well, pay attention to it. It might show something up. And, uh, and we start saying, how, how, how dare they do that? Verse 12, he goes on to say, Are not uh, Abana and the far, far, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, how many know the reality of that? If the prophet would have said, go on over to Far Far and dip in that river, he'd have been ticked off at that too. Why, why is that? Because he expected the hand wave. But nevertheless, 
he's got this to deal with because he doesn't do inferior rivers. <laughs> he's above the Jordan. And, uh, but I want you to see that what, what could have happened here. Stop right here. Naaman dies of leprosy. Proud Naaman, furious in a rage, how dare they treat me like this? How dare they make my healing conditional upon this activity? Naaman, if he stops right there, he dies of leprosy. Do you think it's possible today that some people don't get their healing and the root cause is pride? See, we're not often quick to go there and think that. We think, how, how, how come this person died and People pontificate, give all their opinions why this person didn't get healed, why they, did, they went to heaven early. Uh, one of the reasons that's often not given is this. And I realize we're probably not going to say it at the funeral, but Uncle Bob, he was only 40 years old, but he was full of pride, so he died. <laughs> it's too late to really call Bob out on that. Uh, ne- never, nevertheless... Uh, that sometimes is the reason. Because if he wouldn't have humbled himself, he'd have died. I'm not going in that river. I'm not doing this. Don't you, you should do this different. Okay. Get back in your chariot. Go away. Pride intact. Bless God. They don't. They can't tell me what to do. Go ahead. Head on back to Syria. You showed them. You and your leprosy showed them. Do we ever fall into that, that trap? We go away. We had our say. I, I told them off. Yes, you did. I gave them a piece of my mind. Good for you. You and your sickness showed them. You and your pathetic li- <laughs> I know this sounds harsh, but you know. You and your trouble. You and your life that's lacking God's grace and full of trouble and hardship. You showed them. You sure did. Bless God, I just don't agree with that. Well, okay. You and your opinion. Enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Instead of humbling ourselves and receiving. I wonder sometimes, is God asking us to do anything? Is the Lord asking you to do anything? I'm not making the blessings of God contingent upon works but at the same time there are times when the Lord we're seeking the Lord for something we're trusting him for something and there is something that exists in our life that hinders it he will give us what's necessary to make that change and let healing flow does all healing come through dipping in a river of course not sometimes the hand wave is sufficient but when there's pride in the heart the hand wave wouldn't get it done Sometimes there needs to be a change. And we resist the change. We resist the activity. We, we resist the obedience. And we never see what's on the other side. What could have been if we would have dealt with it in a proper way. Amen. Sometimes there's, what we find is our culture, you know, we're Americans and we like convenience. And I like it too. We like air conditioning and comfort and we don't like long lines and don't do anything to inconvenience me. We got, some of you know what time it is already. You're counting it down. (laughs) 
schedules, and people don't inconvenience themselves to, to get what they need to get. And, uh, and they miss God in that regard because they put no effort into anything. You remember those, those four friends? Jesus was ministering in a house, and it was crowded, people in a place. It was packed full. They couldn't get in. There was that, that lame guy, and his four friends said, Let's, we got to get him to Jesus. And they went up, took him on the roof, and tore it apart and dropped him in. And he ended up getting healed. How many know that was inconvenient? That was uncomfortable. But sometimes people think, well, you know, if, if God really wants me to be healed, Jesus will come to my house. Okay, be that way. But the examples we have like that, there are many examples of people who go after it. You need something from the Lord? Go after it. He honors and values that faith. When you say, bless God, I'm getting what he has promised me. I'm going to lay hold of what is available to me, no matter what it takes, if I have to come early and stand in line. There are people that won't even, we have people in our church. Now, I, we love you all, but who have battle sickness and disease constantly, and they won't even come to our healing meetings. They'll turn their, their, turn their request in, pray for me. It's like, No. I mean, yeah, but. <laughs> Lord, make them dip in the river seven times. <laughs> but it won't inconvenience them. It's like, no, that's, uh, you know, it's not who I am. But people do without sometimes because of that. They, they do what they want. They're comfortable. They got all this. But they, they miss out on the blessing of God. Everybody Okay. Is this too harsh? Verse 13, his servants came to him and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Here's the good news here. Not just the healing, but here's the good news. Even the proud can change. Even the proud can humble themselves. They're angry, they're in a rage, I can't believe it. Get some sense knocked into them. Why don't you just do this? He humbled himself, he did what he didn't want to do, and received. Okay? He made the adjustments. Some of us, we, we should know this, we can make the adjustments in our attitudes that we need to make. And at the end result of that, is we run smack dab into the grace of God, which is healing, which is provision, which is an answer to prayer, which is peace. It's all that the Lord gives comes through His grace. We can make the adjustment. The adjustment opens up the door to power. Amen. Amen. But if we dig our heels in, we're resisting God, and we won't get what He has for us. And so think about ideas, new concepts. Uh, uh, are you ever too quick to object to new ideas? Do you ever find yourself where um, a new idea, a new belief, a new concept about yourself or about God or about life is presented and your quick default is, I disagree. That's not what I think. Well, that's not what I've learned. That's not my experience. And I want to encourage you today, just like Naaman was not expecting this directive, you have to slow down a bit whenever you hear something that challenges your, th your current thinking. Too, too many times individuals are too quick to disagree because they've got their, their, 
their ideas rooted in some, you know, some news source, some experience, something a person of importance told them. And when something new comes, they don't learn. But this too is rooted in pride. They always, they always know the answer. They always know best. But my encouragement for all of us is whenever we hear something new or that challenges our thinking, our belief, pause. Step back. It's the fool who answers a matter before he hears it, Proverbs says. The wise person hears the whole thing. Let me think about this. I remember one person in our church who's been here for a number of years, uh, he told me some time back that when he first started coming, he disagreed with a lot of what was being taught because he was a Christian already, had had some experience in church, and he said, that's not right, that's not right. And, but he had some maturity, and he was a smart person, and he, didn't, he wasn't quick to throw it out. He said, I went and I studied it out. I went and I looked up the scriptures again myself to see if what was being said was true. And, uh, and I honor his, his diligence there. He went and looked it out and came back and said, hmm, yeah, that's right, I've been wrong all this time. <laughs> see, it takes maturity to be able to do that, though. The proud won't even bother us. No, eh, they just quickly resist. But what we don't realize is sometimes we're resisting our healing in the process. We're resisting the answers to other prayers and things that we, we want God to do for us, and we don't, we're too, just too quick to dismiss. James chapter 1, verse 19 reads this way, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What should be our approach? Slow down. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. And then we slow down from there. What was Naaman doing? He heard, and then he was quick to react. Quick to get angry and quick to say, this is the way I think. This is what I said to myself. This is the way I said it's supposed to go down. Biblical admonition is to be slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Slow, everybody say, slow down. Slow down. Something, something puts you in a rage instantly, slow down. You ever answer that email too quick? You ever respond to that post too fast? Ah, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden you're in an argument and then you remember that Proverbs says only by pride comes contention. And if we would just... Slow down. Everything's quick today. Everything's fast, instantaneous. You get a message from someone, ah, and they didn't put a smiley face with it, so you know what they meant. <laughs> we react. Set that thing down and come back to it tomorrow <laughs> or whatever time you need to be slow because we don't receive what we need to receive when we react in this way. Amen. Along the same lines, let's be slow to correct people. I don't know why it is that everyone feels like they have to correct everybody else. You know, most of your conversations, friends, family, and someone's wrong about something, it doesn't matter if they are wrong. I see people correcting others over the most insignificant things. 
It doesn't even matter. Why did you take the time to correct that detail in them? It totally doesn't matter. Are they asking? If they are, great, have a discussion. But if someone's wrong about, who cares? And too much strife is generated through this type of pride. You think about Naaman again. Uh, He had this humbling event. I don't want a humbling event. I don't want something to happen to me that kind of forces me. I want to choose to put on my humble clothes. You know what I'm talking about? Was Naaman proud before he got to Elijah's, Elijah's door? Or did it just happen right then? No, those things don't happen instantly. That was the condition of his heart. This event made it manifest. This event drew it out, okay? But if we can recognize these things ahead of time, it doesn't take the humbling event to manifest our pride. We see it, and we say, ah, this is the word of the Lord. This is the way of God. I'm going to make adjustments to seeing myself in a proper light like he does. Praise God. And begin to give him the glory and all the honor for every good thing. Thank you, Lord. Say it with me today. Say, Father, I choose today to humble myself under your mighty hand. I want to be teachable. I want to follow your word and your instructions. I'm not too high and mighty to do what you ask me to do. I humble myself today under your mighty hand. Praise God. Father, we thank you for working in us today.